From WABE in Atlanta, I'm Rose Scott. And I'm Ariana Prail from KQED in San Francisco. This is America Amplified. The people have spoken. We have a new president-elect. But the country is still divided as ever. I'm just not quite ready to bust out the champagne and party hats just yet. Those people are going to direct a narrative that I'm not willing to listen to. Donald Trump didn't create this situation. Donald Trump just made it more fashionable for folks to tell the truth. I've been a Black conservative for 12 years. I get a lot of hate. Where I draw a line is when your beliefs make me less than human. We all live under the same flag. It's the same country. (laughs) What are you doing? We'll look ahead at what's next for us as a nation. So stay with us. This is America Amplified, election 2020. Your voice counts. This is America Amplified. From WABE down south here in Atlanta, Georgia, I'm Rose Scott. And each week, I've been teaming up with co-hosts from across the country to bring you a special national series. It's been one wild year, to say the least. And even now, after the election, there is a lot for us to work through. The last four years has been a building wall of dark. It's going to take me and others a moment to heal. I'm just not sure because we have not been kind to each other. We have not been civil. Uh, remember to be human and you're definitely not going to mistreat my children. I've really got to stop and take a deep breath. Hopefully the peace will come instead of war between the two parties. It's like we need to get healing, but we're not ready to take that journey. I ready. think where healing starts is where we unpack the divide. That's where we come in. I'm Ariana Prail from KQED in San Francisco. We've spent months taking the pulse of this country, and you've got our attention. This is America Amplified, election 2020. Your voice counts. You know, I think it's fair to say that even though the election is over, there are still a lot of emotions and opinions about the outcome and everything else that 2020 brought us. It was a high-stakes race, and both the election and its aftermath show we're a deeply divided nation, something we've been talking about here for weeks on America Amplified. Now, some states like Georgia, where I am, uh, we're still counting and recounting results. That's adding to a lot of hostility already taking place. And Ariana, this week I asked our listeners to reflect and sum up the year. This is what I heard. Exhaustion, chaos... Um, I'm curious, what's the mood out there in your area? Well, the mood is pretty celebratory here. I'd say California voted overwhelmingly for Joe Biden. Our senator, Kamala Harris, is headed to the White House as vice president-elect. Her roots are in the Bay Area, where I am. So there's a feeling of pride in that. And we're also unpacking the results of some of our propositions. We're a proposition state. And uh, it showed that a lot of Californians aren't always progressive on every issue. Overall, though, there's relief and also a really keen awareness of the divisions and the work that's still to be done. And speaking of that work that still needs to be done and how people think about that, we hosted a listening session the other night to get a sense of how folks across the country were feeling. So let's hear from a few of them right now. It's going to take me and others a moment to heal. It's not even an atmosphere. It's a cloudiness. It's almost like someone dares you to say something, look at them. When you live in a teeny tiny community, we have to deal with these people all the time. And I've been writing things down in a journal, how I can start a conversation with somebody that tells me that my Black Lives Matter bumper sticker, I should be in trouble for that, never mind the Black Lives Who Do Matter. Where I draw a line is when your beliefs make me less than human or suppress my ability to pursue the promise of America. We say things like, we need to get healing, but we're not ready to take that journey. We're not ready to do the intentional steps uh, to really attend to the wounds so that healing occurs. That was Grace in Indiana, Julia Crabb in Minnesota, and Pamela Perkins Karn in Georgia. We heard a lot there, and so we ask, What's the way forward? Seems rather early to start talking about healing and reconciliation for some people. And there may not be an easy answer to those questions, but we can at least talk about it. 
And starting today's conversation, Dr. Catherine Meeks, Executive Director of the Absalon Jones Center for Racial Healing, located in Atlanta, Georgia. Dr. Catherine Meeks, as always, thank you so much for taking the time. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you, Rose. It's always a delight to be with you. You know that. (laughs) You once told me that reconciliation is a word that you don't use much. You told me it's abused and and overused and and folks tend to think it's the end game to dismantling all those isms and and particularly racism mainly. Uh, But you heard what people said in in that clip coming into this Mm -hmm. segment. What did you take away from how people were feeling about whether or not we should all start healing and and mending all those issues we had this year? Well, you know, the reason why I don't talk about reconciliation is because I think people use it in a way that uh, mitigates against really working toward healing, which means you've got to dig into the wounds and, and look at them and own them and tell the truth about them in order to move forward. I do think that we find ourselves in a moment where we've really got to stop and take a deep breath and decide, do we want to try to live on this planet together or perish, as Dr. King said, together as fools because we've refused to to take the, the time to try to understand one another a little bit better. I don't really think that America is any different from the way America has always been. I think that Donald Trump has made it more fashionable for people to be publicly hateful and mean-spirited. And so things feel a lot worse to us. I think it's because there's just a lot more uh, willingness to for folks to, to, to say where they really are. And I really do think that we have got to all try to see if we can't uh, open ourselves up just a little bit more to try to understand one another because we've got some major things facing us that if we don't deal with them, like the climate and right now COVID, if we don't deal with those things, our little petty hatreds are not going to even be that significant because the other things are going to do us in. We've seen this nation come together when it's been a natural disaster. We've seen this nation come together with 9-11. We've seen this nation divided through so many points in history and in the work that you've done. We're talking about a half century of work that you've done. Can you think of a time where it feels like this nation was as divided as we all keep saying it is right now? Well, you see, I, I think what people seem to misunderstand is that Donald Trump didn't create this situation. Donald Trump just made it more fashionable for folks to tell the truth about who they really are and how they really feel. So I think underneath the underneath the facade of being halfway civil, we've always been divided. We just haven't been as ugly about it. Yeah. When President Obama was in office, there was so much stuff that went on that didn't really get talked about in the same way as it is now. I think we need to quit scaring ourselves too, Rose. I think we need to say, you know, some of us get it. We know we, we're we here. We've been here many times before as a as a country. And we have got to decide which way we're going to go down the road. I do believe that the Biden-Harris administration is going to help us turn a, turn some corners if we, in fact, can bring ourselves to want to turn them. But everybody's going to have to stand up a little taller and, and try to think about being a grown-up and, and try to see if we can't begin to pay attention to what we have in common instead of being so focused on what we disagree about. Hi, Dr. Meeks. This is Ariana Prell with KQED in San Francisco. When you lead workshops on topics of oppression and racial healing, there's usually that initial part of setting the ground rules and group agreements, right, on how participants Mm -hmm. will treat each other and approach the conversation. Mm -hmm. I'm curious, what ground rules do we need and would you recommend for us as a country right now in this moment? Well, I think the basic ground rule is that you can tell the truth, but you must always be compassionate and respectful. And people have to be listened to. And we have to find the space to do that. But you don't get to abuse anybody. And so, you know, we've had a pretty good track record. I've been doing this work now for uh, 50 years. And I have not ever had a session where people uh, ended up harming somebody else in the room. And that's the bottom line for me, that every person has has to be respected. 
And that's reminding me of something that writer James Baldwin once said, we can disagree and still love each other unless your disagreement is rooted in my oppression and denial of my humanity and right to Mm -hmm. exist. Uh, Is there coming together if there is continued disagreement on whether systemic racism exists and has impacted our country greatly since its founding or that LGBTQ Americans should have equal rights, for example? There's a place you've got to go before you get there, and that is to to believe that everybody is a worthy human being and deserves to have the best opportunity to live their life as possible. I want to say I would like if you love me, but you don't have to. But you do have to respect me. You do have to be willing to allow me to be a human being on this earth and and have a, an opportunity to be whoever I was put on the earth to be. And we've got to hold people to that kind of accountability. It will be great for us to be loving and affirming, but until we get there, let's work with respect and realizing that people, everybody here is equal and deserves to have what they need. Dr. Meeks, who should take the lead in trying to all those aspects that you just mentioned, that you just talked about, who should take the lead on trying to facilitate that? Well, I believe that the first group of people are the people in the faith communities, whatever faith communities, because we claim by just saying we have faith, whatever it is, Jewish, Muslim, Christian, we claim to believe in something beyond ourselves. And so that claim then needs to help us be able to sort of stand in the middle because you do have to finally be able to stand in the middle if you wanna try to understand both sides a little bit. Polarization never works. There has to be a catalyst and it has to be people who are willing to, to put, set their ego aside a little bit because there are a whole lot of dynamics running through all of this. A lot of it has to do with fear. A lot of it has to do with people being stuck at age two and wanting things to be the way they want them to be without being willing to compromise. And grownups know that you have to be willing to negotiate and to, to get some things you want and not get some things that you want. And finally, Dr. Mink says we wrap up our conversation with you. What is the assessment metric that we use to determine whether or not it worked? How do you assess that we got somewhere with it? Well, I think when we stop having all of this insanity that we're seeing right now, Rose, where you can't speak all of the conspiracies and all of the foolishness that's going on, when we see less of that, when we start uh, having better policing and public safety in our neighborhoods when when we start really demonstrating that we care for the people that are struggling and suffering among us when we really start to care when we start caring for the least of these in the ways that that we need to and we understand we need to we're just not doing it so i'm i'm looking for that well, thank you so much, Dr. Katherine Meeks, for joining us, Executive Director of the Absalom Jones Center for Racial Healing in Atlanta, Georgia. Thank you all so much for having me, and I am so grateful. Our conversation will continue about those divisions and how do we work through them. This is America Amplified. Coming up... I just wish that some of our leaders would do what we're doing, because there's no doubt in my mind, by talking like this and seeing each other's points of views, why we can't bridge that gap. We'll pick up the discussion in a moment. This is America Amplified. Welcome back. I'm Ariana Prail from KQED in San Francisco. And I'm Rose Scott from WABE in Atlanta. This is America Amplified, Election 2020. Your voice counts. So the election is over, but right now, as a nation, we can't even agree on that. And that's true for two men you may remember we met about a month ago on this program. They have pretty different views on a lot of issues. Dylan Hellebrand is a college student in Orlando, Florida. He's a political organizer, a Democrat. Ben Bardo is a 68-year-old living in the small town of Dubois, Wyoming. He's a Trump supporter, and he hasn't accepted the election results. So we wanted to check in with them again post-election day. Dylan gets us started. How are you feeling right now post-election? And where do you think this country is headed? 
Well, I was pretty disappointed with the election. You know, it's it's my only hope that Mr. Trump will get back in. We are so divided right now that uh, I think we're headed for some serious trouble. How do you feel? I agree that we, I don't feel that we're, we're headed to a good area either. How I see it, you know, we all have the same goal. We want this country to be better than it was yesterday. Um, one person I have looked towards is Joe Biden. He, for me, is my one of my personal uh, heroes. He understands how to work with both sides. The whole, you know, I see it from both sides, just the name calling, all of that. It's, it's so unhealthy. You know, I've never seen anything like this before. Yeah, well, I, I agree totally there. And uh, I've had to stop watching Trump <laughs> at his rallies uh, and during the debate uh, that they had. Within 20 minutes of watching that, I just could I left my wife sitting there watching it and I went down to my basement and I turned on some Westerns. <laughs> I was so, so sick of what I was hearing. So, and I do not whatsoever like Trump's bashing of people, uh, the bully attitude. I can see why a lot of people, he's turned off a lot of people. Is there anything that you agree with of Joe Biden and the Democrats today? I, I really can't answer that honestly because I haven't paid much attention to what they're planning on doing because I'm in, I'm one that's totally not ready to accept the outcome of Joe Biden being president. I'm curious to hear what you believe uh, Trump supporters are going to do if they find no voter fraud and then Trump leaves office. I don't know what the people are going to do. Uh, Trump is so unpredictable. You know, I don't, I don't know if he's going to want to turn into a dictator and take over the country. When Obama was elected, I went through about a, a a week of disbelief, and then everything just mellowed out. And I said, well, you know, we'll see what he does. I would hope that with this election, if it is determined that there was no fraud, you know, then then I myself will probably settle in just like I did with Obama and accept it and uh, just say, well, We've got four more years. I don't really have that kind of exposure to uh, other people from, you know, Trump, states that heavily supported Trump. So I, I like hearing your, your perspective, Ben, um, because it, it's important to understand, you know, where you're coming from, why you support the things you do support, and, you know, what we can agree on to come together. I agree totally. And uh, we're not just bridging that uh, political gap between the two of us. We've got an age gap that we've bridged too. I just wish that uh, some of our leaders would do what we're doing because there's no doubt in my mind by talking like this and, and seeing each other's points of views, why we can't bridge that gap. We'll certainly find out where we're going here within the next month and a half. And uh, hopefully, the peace will come instead of war between the two parties. That was Dylan Hellebrand in Florida and Ben Bardo in Wyoming. We've got a lot to talk about and a lot to listen to. Let's welcome to America Amplified from Berkeley, California, Elisa Batista. From Kansas City, Missouri, returning to the program, Cecilia Johnson. And from there to Philadelphia, Kendall Stevens. Welcome to y'all. Elisa, I'm going to start with you. Your organization, Ultraviolet, y'all have been so active this election season. And I'm curious for those on the other side of your views, what's your suggestion for working through what may be some unshared values here? One of the first things I did after the election, when it was called for Biden, was reach out to a Republican friend of mine who is a Trump supporter to make sure he's okay. Um, I approached it from humor, like, hey, you know, you're still hot. I still love you. It's going to be okay. And he laughed and, he, you know, he said the same thing too. Like, you know, we're cool. We're friends. And um, I don't think we're as divided as we think we are. I think we live in silos and we're not talking to each other. Well, Kendall, I'm curious how you're processing this moment that we're in. Do you think it will be possible for the nation to reconcile its differences? I'm just not sure um, because we have not been kind to each other. We have not been civil to each other. And I always say that the bare minimum that we all are entitled to afford each other is civility. And I have seen a profound lack of it. Um, and you also can't heal that which you are unwilling to reveal. You know, so you need radical revelations um, to see healing. So um, I'm, I'm just not quite ready to bust out the champagne and party hats just yet. 
hmm. because of the Biden-Harris win, insofar as our nation has a lot of work to do. One thing I know I cannot do is teach people how to be human. That has to come from within. And I know you're doing a lot of advocacy work um, where you are. Can you talk a little bit about that? I think that's really getting at the heart of humanity and respect for each other's humanity, right? Oh, definitely. Um, so I am, um, first of all, a woman of trans experience. Um, and I reach out to marginalized communities, trying to connect them with resources. But moving forward, uh, I would say that um, in, in the spirit of intersectionality, um, it was very powerful, empowering to speak in front of the Senate Majority Policy Committee to push for LGBTQ inclusion and Pennsylvania's existing hate crime statute. But it's kind of sad that I even had to do that, that I had to beg uh, for people to do the right thing, the decent thing. You know, I think our soul needs a surgery in America. And let's head to Kansas City. Cecilia, we talked to you before the election. How are you feeling now, post-election, about how we're doing as a country? Uh, well, I want to first thank you guys for having me back. I really enjoyed my time here. Um, I am just waiting for the recounts to take place, as well as for the outcomes of the lawsuits and see what we have after that. Cecilia, this is Rose Scott down in Atlanta from WABE, and and I'm glad you came back to speak with us. But let's let's talk about this for a moment, because the legal outcomes may not be what you want. But I am curious on your thoughts on how, if this nation is to get beyond all the the tension and and all the the ugliness, do you have thoughts on how we get get to that path? I think that uh, being willing to really listen and hear each other, Um, I've been a black conservative for 12 years and I get a lot of hate from the left, um, who claim to be above all of these things. Um, I get a lot of, um, disrespectful words about, um, just my gender, my background, um, my weight, um, has been a heavy topic, (laughs) um, this election cycle. So I think that um, also being honest about what you really believe, you know, it's one thing to say, I want people to be this way. I want the world to be this way and be that way and do this and do that. But are you willing to do it? Um, Being someone who is a political activist, um, who does work in politics, you know, I've had my share of wins and losses. And I I mean, I've lost quite a bit (laughs) in my career and it, I mean, it never gets easy. It never feels good, but you know, it is what it is. And, you know, just picking up those things and just picking up from where we are and saying, okay, well, hey, this is where we can have common ground here um, and move forward as a nation. What was your response when folks spewed that ugliness that you talked about and all those things and they made it personal? I'm actually used to it. I've been called every um, derogatory name that a black conservative can be called uh, from Uncle Tom to Aunt Tomanisha. That's a new one. Thankfully, you know, my parents, we joke a lot. We crack a lot of jokes. uh, We talk a lot of smack. So I am used to just, you know, being able to hear somebody say something about me. Um, And I know everyone isn't like that. But, you know, fortunately, I was raised um, to have a thicker skin. So I'm just used to it and I just keep it moving. Well, my family, we usually play a game of dominoes and that settles settles it all. (laughs) Oh, oh, you got to have some bones. You got to have some bones. (laughs) If you're just joining us, this is America Amplified Election 2020. We've been talking about whether or not we can find common ground as a nation in the aftermath of this election. And if you've listened to our show before, you may have heard Kayla Smith, a student at Spelman College in Atlanta, Georgia, A few weeks ago, she said she was feeling anxious and was even preparing a go bag so she could be ready for whatever happened come Election Day. She joined us again recently for a listening session and shared how she's feeling now. Uh, I'm just I, I can't. I'm sorry. I can't anymore. One thing I've noticed from some Trump supporters when they get called out for being a Trump supporter, you know, they expect people to be okay with it to vote for someone who bullies, dismantles the basis of the foundation of this country, which is rooted in democracy, which has barely been implemented by far in this country's history. You want me to be sympathetic? 
that's really hard. And even when Joe was asking folk to, you know, treat their neighbors kindly, and this is not Mr. Rogers' neighborhood. Elisa, I'm curious uh, what your reaction is to that. Well, first of all, I don't think we are as divided as we think we are. Uh, when I look at the election results, including the down ballot measures, I see common agreement there. But when uh, when it comes to political parties and candidates that identify strongly with a political party, that's where I see the disconnect. And second of all, Trump is not the first racist president or American by a long shot. He was very open about it. But when you look at the founding of this country, we were founded by people who were white supremacists, patriarchal, homophobic. We still have a lot of work to do. And I am very optimistic that together there is nothing we can't do. Um, I am Cuban and Puerto Rican, and I grew up with both Democrats and Republicans and heard a lot of arguing at the table. And living in the Bay Area, one thing I noticed that we all have in common is that we fled racism. We fled, in my case, um, patriarchy. Uh, women were not supposed to leave the house until they were married. If we were raised in that system, in that culture, and we are capable of changing, I really believe that we all have this capability innate in us. Kendall, what's your reaction to what Elisa's been sharing, but also to what Kayla shared? I had nothing but skin in the game because my personal identifiers, such as being an African-American transgender woman who was stratified lowly socioeconomically under the poverty line, those personal identifiers, they interlocked. And the truth is this, Trump purposely and ruthlessly targeted the LGB and trans community for malicious intent. He actively participated in the cultural erasure of trans people. And I have to wonder, how do we move on? When I know someone voted for a man that was more than willing to interrupt me achieving social justice, who was willing to cast me aside, but people voted for him knowing all of this. So yeah, if I want to work with anyone who voted for Trump, um, I, I need some apologies. I need some explanations. And I'm not too sure I'm going to get honesty. Cecilia, you heard what Kendall just said. You are Trump supporter, conservative. How do you respond? Um, I respond, I think that there needs to be apologies made from on all sides. Um, and I do disagree that only conservatives are racist, <laughs> um, which is by far not true. Um, I definitely think that there are many conversations that need to be had after this election, starting with that, with the fact that you treat people a certain kind of way because of their political philosophy or their political ideology, and that's not right. That's not human. Um, so everyone's not going to agree with your life. Everyone doesn't de definitely does not agree with me, starting with my family. <laughs> um, Thanksgiving is coming up and it is sure to be an interesting Thanksgiving, um, just like every Thanksgiving for the past 12 years of my life. Well, throughout this program, we have been talking about the process of healing and what it would take to move our country forward. Alejandrina Guzman of Austin, Texas, has a physical disability and worked as an organizer for the Biden-Harris campaign. She shared with America Amplified that for her, moving forward means envisioning a new normal. When we go back to normal, we have to question, what is that normality? What is it that we picture when we think of normal? And to me, that goes back to, you know, continuing uh, uh, being oppressed and ignoring certain groups of people. So many things can be true at once. Yes, let's, let's work together and let's you know, continue the way forward in including everybody. And at the same time, let's acknowledge that when we talk about going back to normal, that's not the way to go. Well, let's get some reactions from, from our panel. Kendall, what, what are your thoughts on what Alejandrina shared? Yeah, I definitely understand her frustration. 
Um, um, I really do. You know, coming together is going to be a tall task. You know, I have children who come up to me who, who love me, godchildren and nephews, nieces, that say, why do they hate you so much? Why wouldn't mm -hmm. they want you to be protected? I don't know how to an answer that. And I, and I, I need answers, but I just, I'm just not going to get them. And people want to straddle the fence and then say, well, I don't agree with X, Y, and Z, but I'm still, I'm still a Republican. And, but you also have to acknowledge that you're hurting people by aligning yourself with someone who speaks rhetoric, who mm -hmm. puts out social policies that harm communities. Cecilia, as we wrap all this up, what is your hope moving forward here? What's really at stake here? Policy. Because whether Biden gets elected and uh, or whether Trump gets elected, when they leave office, the thing that is going to remain is their policy and how that policy affects people. And I um, just my hope is that we will be honest about how these policies affect affect all communities. And as someone who is black, um, just how it re how it's really affecting the communities that are often overlooked with it, which is my community, and how harmful um, people's policies have been towards the black community in the past, and how detrimental they can be if those policies are continued. And Alisa, I'll give you the last word here. So, an overwhelming, record-breaking number of Americans, cross-section of Americans, voted, and they voted for change. So now it's time to govern and pass policies that help all of us. Alejandrina, Kendall, and Cecilia, and myself as a Latina single mother of teen kids, we're the ones that need to be in the room making the policy. Not, I don't know, career, uh, you know, white man, politician. <laughs> we need to be in the room. And that is how we're all going to have policies that we all agree on and lift all people. From Berkeley, California, Elisa Batista, from Kansas City, Missouri, Cecilia Johnson, and from there to Philadelphia, Kendall Stevens. Thank you all so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. So we've been staying in the mess in the discord of this moment, and there's a lot to process, clearly. Always a lot to process. When we come back, hey, we'll look ahead. Tweet us at Amplify 2020, coming up. I am like the unicorn in any room. I go in, I'm the Republican. And immediately, the environment and climate of the room changes and becomes adversarial. We'll be right back. This is America Amplified. Welcome back. I'm Ariana Prail from KQED in San Francisco. And I'm Rose Scott from WABE in Atlanta. This is America Amplified, Election 2020. Your voice counts. We've been taking this hour to process this moment in time as we near the end of a tumultuous and challenging year, to say the least. We want to spend the rest of this hour imagining a way forward. And we should acknowledge that for some folks, they may not be in the mood for healing or reconciliation, as we heard from Dr. Catherine Meeks earlier in the program. However, she did offer a framework for getting started, which is tell the truth, be compassionate, listen, and above all else, do not abuse the other view. Right, because this time isn't just about having different views on the tax code or small government versus big government. You know, there's been a lot of talk about the soul of our nation in this election and a reckoning on multiple levels over the identity of our country and different, very passionate views of what that identity is and should be. So we want to consider what communities are doing at this time to navigate through the differences. And to do that, we welcome to America Amplified from the Navajo Nation in New Mexico, Ali Young, from Liberty City in Miami, Florida, Valencia V. Gunder, and from Allentown, Pennsylvania, Tim Ramos. So, Tim, thank you for joining us again. I'll begin with you. You're in the battleground state of Pennsylvania, where it was a tight race. Joe Biden is the projected winner there. There's also ongoing litigation from the Trump campaign. What's your overall feeling right now post-election and the feeling in your community? There's just a, a sense of uh, frustration. Um, I, I always said personally, no matter who won or lost, I just wanted it to be as 
clear as possible that there will be no fraud, no any of that. You know, there's a lot of hypocrisy going around. And I, I'm just not the guy who can sit back and just watch it and not speak up about it. Or pe- you know, people need to be held to account. And there's no way forward if people are going to create a, a continuing adversarial spirit. That's what I see. Let's go out to New Mexico and Allie Young. Moving forward, what does that look like through your lens? To us, moving forward means making sure that Indigenous peoples are included in the conversation, um, holding our elected officials accountable. We're excited about this win, but um, we're also, there's still a lot of work ahead of us. And um, for Indigenous peoples, we have deep knowledge about Mother Earth and how to respect her, how to um, have a relationship with her. And so we were expecting to be included in those discussions around climate change. Mm-hmm. Um, and this nation has a lot of healing to do. So that's what we're working towards as a, as a nation, as Navajo Nation. Um, and we're, we're excited because um, in, in Diné culture, it's about balance. And for the first time in the highest office of the federal government, we're going to have the male and female energies. And that's the kind of energy that is needed to heal this country. Hmm. Allie, let me ask you this, because, you know, the outcome of the election doesn't magically eliminate issues because the work is going to continue for your organization, protect the sacred. And while you're hoping that energy in the White House is doing what it's supposed to do, you still are committed you and your organization are committed to doing your work. What does that look like in 2021? Absolutely. Well, COVID is still here, and that's how Protect the Sacred started. That's why it started um, as COVID relief, because Navajo Nation became um, the number one hotspot in the country per capita. And so um, our work is going to continue and shift back to that COVID relief work because um where in the winter months, um, Navajo Nation can get hit pretty hard with winter weather. Um, and so to ensure that our elders and our cultures are um, will survive and persevere, because it is scary, in Navajo Nation, the death toll is up uh, above 580 uh, people who've lost their lives to COVID-19. And uh, over 60% of those deaths are elders, 60 years and older, who hold our languages, our ancestral knowledge, and we're still learning all of that from them. And um, it is our obligation to protect that um, and make sure that we still have a culture to pass down to future generations. V, you've been working in the community both for COVID-19 relief efforts and recovery efforts due to Hurricane Dorian from last year. And since we're all still in the midst of this pandemic, what does the work look like going forward for you and your community? You know, for me, moving forward after this election, after this year, which has been very heavy on everybody, I think the focus should be back grounded on people, the needs of people. Starting in 2021, um, my goals in my local community is to do some deep political education with communities around hurricane preparedness, around pandemics and health issues, because um, places like South Florida, and even rural areas in Florida really got hit when it came to COVID. And that's something that, you know, straight out the defense, I'm planning on focusing on to show the lack of equity when it comes to disaster preparedness and relief and what does long-term recovery looks like for all people. And do you feel like you're seeing any, I guess, lessons or solace in, in the way people are coming together around those efforts? Yeah, so when you're dealing with disaster, people don't usually talk politics around that. People are like, my neighbor needs help. I'm going to assist my neighbor. I wish that's how it worked in the political world, but it doesn't. Um, Even throughout the pandemic, um, walking through communities, talking with a lot of different folks, helping to feed individuals, you don't hear them talking about who's the president, who's going to be the president, a Democrat to a Republican to what. They need help. We see a need, we feel a need, and that's just how the community functions. And I wish we all function like that on every level. 
And I appreciate you saying that because I know it might seem like an obvious thought, but I feel like definitely in the time that we're in, we kind of need some of those reminders of, again, each other's humanity and kind of shared experience. And Tim, I want to go back to you. What does the work look like for you and your community going forward? I'm continuing, like uh, Valencia just said, just continuing to educate our community. We need to create uh, an environment where we force both parties or whoever their candidates are at any level to actually be representative of that community. So it's not you pushing your agenda it's that you know benefits you, it's you pushing the agenda that benefits the community at large. So I always uh, lead from an informational per- position. I'm heavy on information. I, uh, when I um, speak to people from our community, I always um, give them the history of the situation or, or, or an issue and tell them what the city has done and then give them the solution. This is what we can do to stop that particular issue. So it's always educating and leading from that perspective. So I want to get um, opinions from from each of you on a survey that was conducted before the election by the Carr Center for Human Rights at the Harvard Kennedy School, which found that at a time of deep partisan and demographic divides related to the 2020 election, more than two-thirds of Americans surprisingly agree that they have more in common with each other than many people think. So does that finding ring true for you? We'll start with you, Allie. That does uh, surprise me because I feel that, um, you know, we, we are so politically divided, um, but also beyond politics and um, with some of the, the Trump supporters that I've encountered, especially in the border towns around the Navajo Nation, to me, it's, it's deeper than politics. It's also value. I think we are in, in complete disagreement. V, do you want to share your thoughts on, on this finding that we have more in common with each other than many people think? I personally um, don't feel that the the um, survey is 100% accurate. In Florida, just based off my lived experience, you can de- definitely see the divide, feel the divide. Um, I think when it comes to maybe race, when it comes to gender, when it comes to class, we may have more in common. But when it comes to politics, I definitely think that it's a huge gap. I feel as if... Um, It's not much um, cross conversations happening. Um, I, for one, am not even interested in having conversations with groups of people who don't care about my well-being as a black woman, as a queer woman, as a queer person, as a um, person who thinks different than the status quo. And I stand firm on that. And it's not to say that I don't want to find a way forward, but um, based off of the conversations I have in my community, Canvas in my community these last four months leading into the election. Um, and as a person who doesn't necessarily um, agree fully with either side, right? I personally feel as if it's a huge gap. We need a way more work around that. Tim, do you have any thoughts on, on the survey findings having more in common with each other than many people think? Well, my experience where I live, yes, we do. But the divide is always based on party affiliation. And in my city, it's again, it's three to one Democrat. I can tell you, I am like the the unicorn in any room. I go in, I'm the Republican. And immediately the environment and climate of the room changes and becomes adversarial. I, I always ask my friends, they go, we need change. And I go, change from who? And they're like, from these people, what people? And I make them say it's. We have a Democrat-dominated community, and they want change, but they don't want to say from that system. If we focus on freedom, and we focus on your freedom and my freedom, and then not creating problems for each other to live free, then we won't have these problems. I've had individuals, uh, Democrat-elected officials, when my kids walked up wearing a, a pin or a shirt in support of another candidate that was on the Republican side, but when they saw my children wearing a shirt or a pin, they immediately became nasty. And I had to go over and remind them, uh, remember to be human. And you're definitely not going to mistreat my children because you and I have a different set of uh, ideals or beliefs. That's ridiculous. You know, Tim, 
Allie and V. This this is Rose Scott from WAB in Atlanta. One thing that I've 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 noticed when folks are running for office, whether it's federal, local, state, what have you, they love to quote Dr. King. The ultimate measure of a man is not where he stands in moments of comfort and convenience, but where he stands at times of challenge and controversy. And so when you think about that, what role can you play when you are in those moments of challenge and controversy that is different from your lived experience, but how you plan to deal with that and maneuver through that? And Tim, I'll start with you. Well, I just, um, you know, I always say something, win or lose on Monday, I still have to go to work. Um, I still continue to invest in my community. I still try to fester a different spirit, a spirit um, that is, that shows more grace and mercy to each other. And that's what will continue to do. V, what about you? I'm so happy you brought up Dr. King because they love to um, quote the good brother, um, especially without full context. But I do serve everybody, right? I don't want nobody to get it twisted. I don't care what your party affiliation is, your race, your religious background, or your gender or your sexuality. I serve all people, and that's why I'm going to continue to stand. Um, moving forward, I, I do have a line crossed in the sand when it comes to people not just they disagree with the ideology, but they support the things that will harm me. I don't have any room or time to try to mend any relationships with those type of people. However, when it comes to serving, when it comes to preparing for storms, when it comes to facing climate change, because it's real, um, I'm going to support all people. And that's where I believe that I can honor Dr. King the best. And Allie, you get the last word. I'm a strong believer in you know, cooler heads prevail. And no matter the stereotypes, no matter um, the harsh words that are thrown our way, we're going to rise above and we're going to continue this work for our communities. And I will continue to speak on behalf of my people to mark our place in this country and, and to say, hey, we're still here. We've historically been invisible, but this is the year that we're going to be, you know, louder than ever. And we're going to show up and we showed that this year in this election where many Native communities have increased voter turnout and uh, shifted swing states and made incredible contributions to this country. So that's what I what I choose to do and that's how I choose to lead. You know, no matter our divisions, we're all living here together. We must work together and just hope and, and, and pray that we'll see, you know, better days and, and working for our communities. Tim Ramos from Pennsylvania, Ali Young from New Mexico, and V. Gunder from Florida. Thank you so much. Thank you all. Thank you. Thank you. We've been talking all hour about how to move forward, what it will take for us to heal. Amid the pandemic, an unrelenting news cycle, and our ongoing divisions as a nation, it's easy to feel like giving up. But Isaac Cates and the Ordained have another idea. They're a Kansas City gospel group, and they've revived a traditional gospel song. It's called Hold On. And Isaac says it might be exactly what we all need right now. 2020 has been such a a challenging year for so many people. With there being a global pandemic, with there being the unrest with regards to racial tensions, the unnecessary deaths of of people like Breonna Taylor and, and, and George Floyd. I just think it's been a lot on the whole world, emotionally, mentally, spiritually. It, it ain't easy <laughs> right now where we are. Hold on just a little while I really wanted to depict the lament, the wail, the angst, the passion that people have felt, especially from the perspective of a black man, that my people have felt. We must heal as a nation, and it has to start inward first.
That was Isaac Cates and the Ordained and their song, Hold On. We want to thank all who joined us for this run of America Amplified Election 2020. But we may not be done. Stay tuned and uh, let's keep in touch. Listen back to each episode at AmericaAmplified.org. Our producers are Susan Britton, Maiwa Aina, and Grace Walker. Our senior producer and director is Andrea Tudhoe. Our executive directors are Elisa Barba and Donna Vestal. Kathy Liu is our digital editor. Our community engagement gurus are Matthew Long Middleton, Ann Alquist, and Jennifer Tufts. Special thanks to KCUR in Kansas City, WABE here in Atlanta, Alaska Public Media, and Native Voice One, a Native American radio network. America Amplified is supported by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. The conversation doesn't end here. Let's stay in touch. Find us on Twitter at Amplified 2020. From WABE in Atlanta, I'm Rose Scott. And I'm Ariana Prail from KQED in San Francisco. This is America Amplified Election 2020. Your voice counts. Wahey, 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 wahey